Hello Saints, Todd here with SafeguardYourSoul.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are so blessed to have these moments together in the Word of God. And remember, Saints, there's nothing, there's nothing, no thing happening on God's planet that is even remotely as important as the work of the gospel and feeding the sheep of Jesus Christ for whom He died to save so that they can grow in grace, they can be edified, they can be equipped for the work of the ministry according to the Scriptures. And let me just guarantee you this one thing, by the grace of God, this outreach will continue to unapologetically endeavor to preach the whole of the Word of God regardless of who gets offended or not. In Jesus' name. And please remember that your prayers and support are vital to this operation. Thank you. Hello, Saints. Todd here with SafeguardYourSoul.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are so blessed to have these moments together in the Word of God. And remember, Saints, there's nothing, there's nothing, no thing happening on God's planet that is even remotely as important as the work of the gospel and feeding the sheep of Jesus Christ for whom he died to save so that they can grow in grace, they can be edified, they can be equipped for the work of the ministry according to the scriptures. And let me just guarantee you this one thing, by the grace of God, this outreach will continue to unapologetically endeavor to preach the whole of the word of God, regardless of who gets offended or not. In Jesus' name. And please remember that your prayers and support are vital to this operation. Thank you. God's Word tells us that the Lord is known by the judgment that He executes and all the nations and individuals that forget God are going to be turned into hell. Psalm chapter 9 verses 16 and 17. And let's take a look at Isaiah 24. I'm going to kind of narrate the chapter or read it to us. And this is to get in our spirit the fact that God has put all authority in Christ Jesus himself after he was raised from the dead, says that all power in heaven and in earth has been given unto me. Isaiah 9, 6 and 7 tells us that the government shall be upon his, that's Christ's shoulders. So the government of the earth is upon the creator of the earth. Remember Psalm 24, 1, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness of thereof. All things are going to be soon and forcefully put under the feet, the scripture tells us, of the King of kings and Lord of lords. As we read, beginning in Genesis 3.15, Jesus is coming to the earth with finality to crush the head of the serpent, Satan, and all who rebel against God, just as he judged the third of the angels who were cast out of heaven for their pride and rebellion in that conspiracy against the Lord, which didn't last very long and ended in utter irrevocable damnation. You see, friend, there is no neutral ground. He that is not with me is against me, Jesus says. Hebrews 2.8, thou hast put all things in subjection, notice, under his feet. I want you to get a hold of that phrase because it appears all over the Bible. Notice, under his feet. In fact, that term, that phrase, I should say, appears nine times in the Bible. Under his feet. Notice Hebrews 2, 8. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet, for in that he put all in subjection under him. He left nothing that is not put under him, that is, 
Christ, we see not yet all things put under him. So the fulfillment of this is going to culminate in the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, who's coming back with flaming or inflaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God and them that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, friends, Christ owns this house, this earth, if you will, and is returning to take his rightful authority over it again. Psalm 24, 1, the earth is the Lord's. The earth belongs to the Lord and no other. And not only the earth, but all who are therein, according to Psalm 24, 1, nothing can stop what's coming. Anybody who tries to use that terminology on anything else, but the return and the judgment of Christ upon all rebels and the rescuing or the final redemption out of the sin-cursed earth of his people is misusing that term. It fits in no other way than in no better way and definitely than Jesus's return. Notice we hear that term among those who think that this incredible utopian society is going to be created on the earth. Now you have two kind of two phases or two camps using that terminology. You've got the new world order Luciferians who delusionally think that they're going to take over the earth, get rid of most of the people and reign with just great euphoria in this absolutely utopian society, which is delusional. And then you got these Jasara people who somehow think that the wicked are going to be judged before Christ returns in such a way. You know, I would follow that one before the previous we mentioned, but I wouldn't put any faith in that, friends. What's coming for the believer and no other is the redemption of his body and his life out of this earth. In fact, let me read a little bit out of Romans 8 to you. Romans 8, beginning in verse 17, he's talking about those of us who have been adopted into the family of God in Christ. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God, for the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope, because... The creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of of our body. And then he goes on to talk about this being the hope that we have. It's the hope in Christ's return and nothing short of it is the point here, saints. Beware of the trinkets and the lures and the deception to seduce you away from your reward in Christ, and it's only in Christ. Paul warned Colossians 2, verse 8, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of the world, after the rudiments, the traditions of men, the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. And then he says you're complete in Christ and only in Christ. Read Colossians chapter 2. 
And what we're doing here is a precursor to our main text, which is going to be Isaiah 24. What a fascinating revelation of God here, just trying to bring in other scripture truth that the Lord might paint the picture broad and wide and rich inside of each of us. Notice Psalm 2, verse 11 and 12, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. See, as we look for the return of Jesus, which Psalms 2, it's only 12 verses, is a prophetic psalm of the coming of Christ and how to be ready. By the way, in that psalm, he says he's laughing at the wicked on his throne and all their devices that they are conjuring up in vanity to supposedly take over his earth. That's like me squatting at your home and daring you to come take me out of it. I mean, we see actual stories like that in the news these days, right? The rightful ownership is going to be assumed and all rebels are going to be exterminated from the Lord's earth. In fact, you got to love Isaiah chapter 13, verse 9. I want you to get familiar with that verse. There are certain verses in the Bible, have you noticed, that really as I call it, harpoon a certain biblical truth. Notice Isaiah 13, 9. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh. He's coming, saints, just as he promised. Cruel, both with wrath and fierce anger. To do what? To lay the land desolate, and he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. And that's exactly what Paul is saying by the Holy Spirit in 2 Thessalonians 1. But notice Psalm 2, 11 and 12, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. How do you rejoice with trembling? Well, that's pretty self-interpreting. We serve the Lord, how? With fear. A lot of folks don't want to fear the Lord. They want to live to their own glory, refusing to change, to repent truly. And so they don't want to hear fearing God. But David prayed, and so will every true man and woman of God. Lord, unite my heart to fear thy name. You'll never have a clean heart without the fear of God. I believe it's Psalm 19:9. the fear of the Lord is clean, or it might be Proverbs 19, verse 9. So serve the Lord with fear, the psalmist writes prophetically, and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the sun, kiss the S-O-N, the capital S-O-N. We see Jesus, the pre-incarnate Christ, and God of the whole earth throughout the Old Testament. We see him, this is before he came to the earth and was born of a virgin, the word becoming flesh and dwelling among us. We see him in Daniel, I believe it's chapter 3, dancing in the fire with the three Hebrew children. There was one like unto the Son of God in that fire, and his children were not even singed. Hallelujah. And then we see him here and throughout all the Old Testament, kiss the Son, kiss the capital S-O-N, Son, lest he be angry and ye perish from the way. In other words, you better love, obey, abide in and richly worship the Son of God, lest he be angry. When's the last time we kissed Jesus? We throw a lot of kisses, don't we? You know, to babies, our babies, and to our loved ones, right? But have we looked up recently, beloved, and said, Jesus, as the song says, Jesus, I love you. I don't know who did that song, but I don't remember at the moment. But uh, kiss the son. Jesus, I love you. Here's my kisses. When's the last time we looked up and said, Jesus, I love you. I love you, Jesus. Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and ye perish from the way. You know, cowards don't like this kind of language. You, you ever notice these patty cake 
pastors that never preach or read this kind of... This is all over the Bible, guys. And the point is that you've got to purposely evade this. First of all, they're not even reading from the real Bible for the English-speaking people, the King James Bible. They're reading from some little sissy counterfeit Bible, patty cake pastors. See, patty cake Bibles for patty cake pastors and little pansies who falsely claim to be serving Jesus but are not enduring hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Remember we just read in Romans 8 that if we suffer with him, that we're also going to reign with him and that we should say with Paul, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Romans 8, 17 and 18. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and ye perish from the way. When his wrath is kindled but a little, Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. Psalm 2, verse 11 and 12. I think part of what we could take out of this passage we just read in Psalm 2, verse 11 and 12, the last two verses of that psalm, is that this is the side, the side of judgment, that we do not want to see from God personally, right? We should see it in understanding it. We must behold, remember, the goodness and severity of God. We've been talking about that lately. That's a theme in the scripture. And that verse right there really harpoons it, if you will. Romans eleven twenty two. he's warning the Gentile believers or threatening them, as some would observe, because he, in light of the fact of how God judged his own covenant people, the Israelites had sent many of them to hell for rebelling against him. He's going to do the same with all rebels under the new covenant. There is no such thing in the divine economy as a once saved, always saved heresy or eternal security. You, sir, are personally responsible to repent and walk with Jesus and do that by denying yourself, taking up your cross daily and following him. Otherwise, you are a rebel who, like Cain, is going to try to do things his own way. But that didn't end up too well with Cain, did it? And then the book of Jude speaks of those who are after the way of Balaam and the way of Cain. Jude, verse 11, it's only one chapter. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain. In other words, they did things their own way and not God's way. Any other way other than God's way is the wrong way and leads to eternal damnation. In fact, Jesus said, if you try to enter in some other way, you're a thief and the robber in his holy eyes. John chapter 10, beginning in verse 1. So Jude 11, woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward. In other words, for a temporal trinket in this fleeting world. And then therefore, like Esau, they traded their eternal soul for a bowl of soup. Imagine that and look around us and see how many people are doing that. Jesus asked this question, what good would it be for a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Let me encourage you to memorize that verse. I believe it's Mark 8, 36, 35 or 36. And share that with people and put your hand on their shoulder and lovingly speak that into their hearts. We'll never forget, man, I was ministering one night on the streets years ago and this guy came out of the bar. How many people know God isn't scared of somebody that's drunk? He still owns them. Well, brother, what if they're on drugs? Is that drug bigger than Jesus? I don't think so. Where's our faith? Anyway, I don't even know if I knew the guy was drunk or that he came out of bar. It didn't matter. The Lord had me speak the word to him. And I did just that. I put my hand on his shoulder. I said, brother, Jesus says, what good would it be for a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? 
And with the care and the word of God, of Christ, the compassion of Christ, end of Matthew 9. How many people know Jesus is moved with compassion on the lost? He didn't come to stand back and judge them. He came, they're all under judge. We all are because we are born in sin and we have violated the holy law of God. No, Jesus came and was moved with compassion. Why would Jesus have ever come if he was one of these self-righteous, judgmental Pharisees? Tell me. Well, the answer is he would not have come. He came into the world to do what? Save sinners, which all of us are, right? And Jesus said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost, the creation of God in his image, mankind lost, separated from God, alienated from the life of God because of our sin. In fact, the Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ came and died for us. What a blessing. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Before we read Isaiah 24 to take a look and get this word, this logos and rhema into us of the judgment of our holy God. Again, in Psalm 2, 11 and 12, we see depicted here what we don't want to be the recipients of, and that's the fierce judgment of a holy and just God. That's part of God you almost never hear talked about. Too many people tickling ears and too many people that want their ears tickled. Otherwise, they wouldn't be sitting under these frauds. You know, the more you read the Bible, namely the real Bible, the King James Bible, the less you're going to have in common with these phony representations of Christ in the modern church world. It's not the building and gathering that's sinful. We are to gather with other believers, but that should be every day, house to house daily, like the book of Acts. But it's what's going on in those so-called houses of worship, the apostasy couldn't be more obvious. And you'll never know that, though, till you get in the Word. That's when the Word's going to get into you and begin to open the eyes of your understanding. And you're going to begin to scratch your head and go, wait a minute, I don't ever hear anything about God's justice or judgment. I don't hear anything about the holiness of God and how he said, be ye holy for I am holy. I don't see anything about repentance. They removed that word from the new versions, by the way. In many cases, you know, depends on the so-called perversion you're dealing with. I don't hear, you're going to start scratching your head as you read God's word for yourself, crying out to him to open the eyes of your understanding, to, to know him authentically and to be his authentic disciple. You're going to see that they're not preaching this cross. Jesus said, you got to take up. You got to deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow him if you're going to follow me. That's what Jesus said, right? Luke 9, 23 and 24. It's not in there. They're not going to talk about it. They're never going to talk about hell. What is hell? Oh, hell is the eternal judgment of God upon all who die in sin. They're all rebels. So we don't want to be on this end of God. We want to kiss the son lest he be angry and we perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. We don't want that. You see, we are without excuse. Why? Because we have the word of God, we have creation, and we have a conscience. And we're responding in one way or the other. One of the best prayers we can pray is one of the brothers and I this week prayed. Might have been Brother Jay or Brother Derek. We prayed, uh, maybe both of them times we prayed together. These are two wonderful brothers recently connected with the ministry. What a blessing. And we pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, make our consciences so very, very sensitive to any conviction, Lord, any conviction to lead us in the way of righteousness, O God. Give us hearts of flesh, O Lord. Unite our hearts to fear thy holy name in Jesus' name. So notice this, Psalm 50, verse 22. Now consider this, ye that forget God. That's a whole teaching in the Bible. 
Remember that. Those who forget God, we just quoted earlier out of Psalm 917, the nations that forget God, what's going to happen to them? They're going to be turned into hell. That goes for every individual. No different. Now consider this, he says, again, speaking of forgetting God. Now consider this, ye that forget God. See, how do we forget God? Oh, well, Jesus told us, what is it? Mark 419. It's the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches in this earth, that is temporal, and the lust of other things. Some people, claim to be following Jesus, but they're not coveting and, if you will, and loving and seeking the face of Jesus. They're out there working to see what new car they can get. I mean, after all, their car is two years old. They got to get a new car, right? You know, stuff like this. They're living like Esau, absolutely forfeiting and throwing their eternal souls to the wind for the temporal trinkets of this fleeting world. What deception, guys. I would say we need to go on a fast. We need to get one of the brothers on the phone I believe it was Brother Derek brought up about fasting. And, you know, where's that taught in the, in the church? It's all over the Bible. Jesus said, when you fast, not if, when you. How are you going to overcome the flesh? How are you going to be crucified with Christ if you don't incorporate what Jesus said concerning fasting? I'm a man just like anybody else and worse than everybody else without Christ. I don't know. How do you overcome sin without killing the flesh? Something is going to live and something is going to die. What shall it be, friend? What are you going to crucify? Are you going to crucify Christ out of your life? Are you going to crucify the flesh out of your life? See, if you don't crucify the flesh through the crucified life and the daily cross, the flesh is going to crucify Christ right out of your life. So notice, now consider this, that ye that forget God, lest I tear you in pieces, and there be none to deliver. Psalm 50, verse 22, the word of God says, God commandeth all men everywhere to repent. If you're listening to this message, my friend, it's by no accident, and God is calling you to repent. Jesus says, except ye repent, you shall all likewise perish. Luke chapter 13, verse 3. So Jesus is returning with power and authority, which is all invested in him to take back his earth and the rightful authority over it. Nothing can stop it. Anyone who isn't in agreement and obedience. So remember, if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of a lamb. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword. That means you're going to be judged. That's what the sword means, especially in the Old Testament. So anyone who is in agreement with and in obedience to, a lot of people definitely don't like that word obedience. They want to call anybody who speaks about obedience, which is all over the word of God and proves that you really love and know Christ. Otherwise you don't. You talk about that O word, the big O word. That's like a curse word to these rebels. So anybody that's not in obedience to Christ and embracing him and willing and obedient, hello, this is what God told his people as he's telling you and I right now in Isaiah 1, verse 19 and 20, is going to be destroyed. You're going to be devoured by the sword of his judgment. Jesus says, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven, Matthew 7, 21. Does that need somebody to explain that? No, read your Bible and believe it and stop believing the heretical twist that people put on the Bible and try to add things to it and impose things on. If you don't see it in the Bible, it's not of God. Now notice, let God speak for himself by studying the word himself. In fact, one of the brothers on the phone this week was talking about how he grew up in a Calvinist church and believed that lie or was taught to believe the lie, but it never sat right with him because he never saw it in the Bible when he read the Bible for himself. That right there, folks, is an honest hearted 
believer. And that's the only people that are going to be in heaven with Jesus. Make no mistake, according to Jesus himself, the only soil of heart that's going to be in eternal glory with him is the fourth of the four. And that's found there in Luke 8, 11 through 15, the good and honest hearted person. The good and honest hearted person is this person that continually from the today all the way to the till they with Jesus continues to come to the light, admits when they're dead wrong before God, that never tries to cover their sin and cries out for God to bless them with repentance and to be restored and to have a heart of flesh and to walk with him humbly as we're instructed to do in Micah chapter 6 verse 8 to walk humbly with thy God and to love his mercy how many people love his mercy every sinner should be saying a to the millionth men Isaiah 24 behold the Lord maketh the earth empty and maketh it waste wow this is the picture of what's coming folks he's coming back to lay bare and this earth and to destroy all rebels out of it notice here in isaiah chapter 13 and verse 9 i'm going to read that to you because it really is a great summation verse i think i read it earlier but let me read it again behold the day of the lord cometh cruel both with wrath and fierce anger to do what to lay the land desolate and he shall destroy the sinners out of it god's going to be rooting the sinners out of his earth i don't understand the fullness of what he has planned but we do know some things and one of the things is that he's going to root the sinners out of his earth he's coming back how is he coming back second thessalonians 1 he's coming back in flaming fire read revelation 19 11 through 16 it's not going to be pretty for the wicked to put it lightly it's going to be violent and destructive and justly so behold the day of the lord cometh what's going to happen in the day of the lord when he comes cruel both with wrath and fierce anger oh god is angry yeah he's angry with the wicked every day psalm 7 11 right to lay the land desolate and he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it so isaiah 24 again verse 1 behold the lord maketh the earth empty and maketh it waste and turneth it upside down wow remember he said everything's going to be shaken but only that which cannot be shaken is going to remain hebrews 12 remember that incredible that goes right in with this. See, God continues to give the same truths throughout his word. And we're here to put them together, line upon line, precept upon precept, Isaiah 28, 1 Corinthians 2.13. So he's going to lay it waste and turneth it upside down and scattereth abroad the inhabitants thereof. In fact, in Revelation, he says the wicked are going to be hiding in the caves of the earth, crying out that those caves would fall down on them and crush them. And that's how fierce it's going to be. And it shall be as with the people, so with the priest, as with the servant. Now he's going to go into talking about everyday relationships and the absolute corruptness of sinful mankind. We're seeing this more than ever right here. Remember Jesus foretold as he was telling about his return that the love of many is going to wax cold and that would have to be dealing with especially those who once knew the lord yet they're not continuing in the love of god in fact jude 21 says keep yourselves where in the love of god let me tell you this god is saying it's your responsibility to stay in the love of god to love me with all your heart soul mind and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself anybody claiming to be following christ and isn't loving the people around them is a wicked counterfeit repent now and let the cross have its full work in your life all the way to the core of your being so you're full of the love of christ and he's beaming through your life you can't hide that man you know people really don't care how much you know until they know how much you care and that's why I got saved. I saw people around me that cared for me. They loved me. They had compassion on my wicked lost soul. 
with the love of Christ. And many of you have the same testimony. And it shall be, as with the people, so with the priest, as with the servant, so with his master, as with the maid, so with her mistress, as with the buyer, so with the seller, as with the lender, so with the borrower, as with the taker of usury, so with the giver of usury to him. So he's talking about every realm of relationship. We're seeing that the people are waxing cold and unloving and self-serving. Verse 3, the land shall be utterly emptied, he says it again. Wow. And utterly spoiled or ruined, for the Lord has spoken this word. And when's the last time you heard this preach? Verse 4, the last time you read it in the Bible for yourself, right? Again, that underscores why it's so important to study to show yourself, you. You do it. Approved unto God. We need to become independent. You're going to stand before God independently of all other men. So you better study to show yourself approved. And boy, what a delight that is. It's hard work. It's the most rewarding work in the world to study and to obey the word of God. But you got to study it. My people are going to be destroyed for lack of knowledge. Hosea chapter 4 verse 6. Study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman. Notice work. It's work. Work man that needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. You see, you're not going to be able to rightly divide the word of truth. You're not going to see... Who's teaching truth? Who's teaching falsehood? What's of God and what's a twist or an insertion or an imposition or something of thrown in there by men or added to the scriptures? We talk about several examples of that. We mentioned one earlier, eternal security. The Bible never tells any Christian or never speaks to all the Christians ever in any instance that they're going to be in glory just because they were initially saved. You've got, and then they use, well, no man can pluck them out of, my, out of God's hands. Well, but what did he say before that, which none of them even know? because they've been preyed upon and played for the fool. Verse 27 there in John 10 says, Jesus said, he told you exactly who's not going to be plucked out of his hands, out of the Father's hands, those who hear his voice and follow him. That's not only an initial sense, that's a continual tense, clearly. You got saved? Did you get saved? Good. Stay saved. Walk with Jesus. Abide with him. All the way to the end, or like the five foolish virgins, you're going to be shut out of the eternal bridal chamber. You must endure to the end to be saved, Jesus said. That's what Jesus said. You're going to argue with him? Follow Jesus, folks. And you can't do that without following what he said and uh, obeying what he said. Jesus said, if you don't abide, that means remain to the end in him. You're going to be cast into the fire. John 15, verse 6. The earth mourneth and fadeth away. The world languisheth and fadeth away. The haughty people of the earth do languish. He's given imagery of what's going to be happening when the judgment, you know, we're in the beginning of sorrows right now, I would think, and which Jesus used there in Matthew 24, I believe it's verse 8 or 9 or something. And we're going to see people that are going to increasingly begin to languish instead of repenting and trusting in the Lord. The earth also is defiled under the inhabitants thereof. Have you ever seen more wicked, Luciferian animals and leadership than you see now? I doubt it. Okay, and it's all the way around the globe. The earth also is defiled under the inhabitants thereof. That's not limited to leaders, by the way. That's all the people. The thoughts of their hearts are only evil continually. That's what God said before he judged the earth in the days of Noah. And Jesus said it's going to be the same now as it was in the days of Noah. That is Genesis 6, verse 5 and 12. Because they have transgressed, Isaiah 24, 5, the laws changed the ordinance broken the everlasting covenant. They've broken the law of God, the living independent of God. That's what Babylon represents. Therefore, 
hath the curse devoured the earth, and they that dwell therein are desolate. Therefore the inhabitants of the earth are burned, and few men left. Now apparently this sounds like the same that we hear in Second Thessalonians 1. He's coming back in flaming fire to take vengeance on those that know not God and obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now right here he's saying the inhabitants of the earth are burned. Hello. Then in Second Peter, we see that the elements are going to be melted with heat. Oh, boy, there we go. Think about it. It sounds like nuclear war, most would believe. It sounds like it's me. Again, Second Peter 3. The new wine mourneth, he says. The vine languisheth. He's talking about wine. He's talking about joy and happiness. But it's all going to be vanquished in these last days among the inhabitants of the earth. The wine mourneth. But thank God we, as the children of God, are going to be able to drink the wine of the King of Heaven, the great bridegroom, at the great supper of the Lamb what Jesus said, Matthew 26, 29. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. Is that incredible? There's going to be wine from heaven at the great supper of the lamb. I know that might upset some people, but I just read that out of the Bible. That's what Jesus said. Work it out, friends. I will not drink henceforth, he says to his disciples, of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So for the world, there's no hope, man. There's no hope. The way of transgressors is hard, not only in the earth, but it's going to be getting a whole lot exponentially worse when they die and immediately wake up in the flames of eternal damnation from which they will never escape. Therefore hath the curse devoured the earth, Isaiah 24, 6, and they that dwell therein are desolate. Therefore the inhabitants of the earth are burned and few men left. The new wine mourneth and the vine languisheth. All the merry hearted, the happy, do sigh, they're sad. The mirth, deals with celebration, of tabrets, that's music, instruments, ceaseth. The noise of them that rejoice endeth. The joy of the harp ceaseth. They shall not drink wine with a song. Strong drink shall be bitter to them that drink. The city, nothing's going to be able to satisfy. The city of confusion is broken down. Every house is shut up that no man may come in. See the desolation going on here, right? Verse 11, there is a crying for wine in the streets. We want joy. We want something to make us happy. Help us. But if you're not crying that to your maker, to the Lord Jesus Christ, it's all in vain. There is crying for wine in the streets. That's not really talking about wine so much as happiness, joy, something to be happy about. All joy is darkened, as if it wasn't clear already, right? All joy is darkened. The mirth or the celebration of the land is gone. There's no celebration. You know, I was born and raised in New Orleans. That's all they do is celebrate down there, man. God had to bring me out of there to get me saved. You know, it's going to be like that on Bourbon Street. You know, many of you have been to Bourbon Street. I mean, all I can say good about that city is probably the food. We'll leave it at that. In the city is left desolation and the gate is smitten with destruction. When thus it shall be in the midst of the land among the people, there shall be as the shaking of an olive tree and as the gleaning of grapes when the vintage is done, they shall lift up their voice. They shall sing for the majesty of the Lord. They shall cry aloud from the sea. Wherefore glorify ye the Lord in the fires, even the name of the Lord God of Israel in the isles of the sea from the uttermost parts of the earth. Have we heard songs, even glory to the righteous? But I said, my leanness, woe unto me, the treacherous dealers. 
have dealt treacherously. Yea, the treacherous dealers have dealt very treacherously. Fear and the pit and the snare are upon thee, O inhabitant of the earth. So he focuses it down on every individual. Fear and the pit, that's got to be speaking of the pit of hell. As you read the pit in the Old Testament, especially, you're going to find it's talking about the pit of hell. Fear and the pit. He talks about in Psalms going down into the pit. He's talking about hell. Fear and the pit that is of hell and the snare or the trap, the deceptions that are laid before us that cannot be overcome unless we're walking in the light with Christ out of an honest and true heart. The fear and the pit and the snare are upon thee, O inhabitant of the earth. I believe he's basically saying, what are you going to do? Are you going to seek me, cry out to me, and let me save you or not? Verse 18, and it shall come to pass that he who fleeth from the noise of the fear shall fall into the pit. And he that cometh out of the midst of the pit shall be taken in the snare. For the windows from on high are open and the foundations of the earth do shake. The earth is utterly broken down. The earth is cleaned. Notice this language, saints. The earth is utterly broken down. It's like you go, you know, somebody squats in your home and tells you you can't come in that home. What are you going to do? Well, you're going to go as far as to destroy the home, to get them out if you have to, right? Jesus is coming back to take over his earth, folks. It's not anybody else's but his. By reason of creation, he owns everything because nobody ever created anything except him. All things were made by him and they're for him. All things were made by him and for him. Colossians 1, 16 and 17. That includes every soul of man. The earth is utterly broken down. The earth is clean, dissolved. The earth is moved exceedingly. It shall be shaken. The earth shall reel to and fro like a drunkard. Wow. Talk about some shaking, huh? That fits that song. Whole lot of shaking going on right there. I don't know what they were talking about, but we do know what the Lord's talking about. He's going to shake the earth and only that which cannot be shaken is going to remain. Hebrews 12, 24 through 28. The earth shall reel to and fro like a drunkard, like a drunk guy walking down the street, swaying side to side, can't hold himself up. It'll be staggered like a boxer who's getting beat up and loses his equilibrium and is falling down in the ring and shall be removed like a cottage and the transgression thereof shall be heavy upon it. In other words, it's all coming because of sin, the sin of mankind, and that God is holy and just, and he will balance every scale in his judgment. And it shall fall and not rise again. It's going to be knocked out coal. And it shall come to pass, verse 21, in that day, that the Lord shall punish the host of the high ones, that are upon high and the kings of the earth upon it. Sounds like he's going to judge Satan and his demons and also all those in leadership on the earth. Let me read it again as we come to a close and finish in this chapter. We're almost there. And it shall come to pass, verse 21, Isaiah 24, our main text today, saints. Verse 21, and it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall punish the host of the high ones that are on high and the kings of the earth upon the earth. And they shall be gathered together as prisoners. Uh-oh, sounds like a perp walk of the worst kind. You know, you see people going to jail that are, you know, you have different thoughts, but you're like, wait a minute. Jesus said some of you are going to be thrown in jail. So it happened throughout history. Many of God's men went to jail, including Paul. Revelation 2.10, that some of these guys aren't saved yet that are going to jail. And, you know, they're known figures, I guess. So we see known and unknown figures going to jail. But is that the worst thing? No, that's probably the best thing. What are you going to do in jail other than look up, seek God? You ain't having fun. You got your hands and your heart lifted. If you got a little bit of wisdom and you're seeking God, 
You know, we care more about the temporal comforts of people and ourselves than we do about the eternal blessedness of being with Christ. We better change our ways. The things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And what good would it be for a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Excuse me? Verse 22, and they shall be gathered together as prisoners are gathered in the pit. There ain't going to be no party in that pit, folks. And shall be shut up in the prison. What is that? The prison of fire from which they shall never escape. Oh, and it's going to be cast into the lake of fire. As if hell isn't going to be bad enough. Read about it in detail and how much suffering it brings in Luke 16. It's going to be cast into the lake, the ocean of fire, Revelation 20, 11 through 15. And whosoever's name was not written in the book of life shall be cast into the lake of fire, Revelation 20, 15. That used to be my favorite verse when we went out evangelizing. It's the word of God. It never returns void. None of it. And shall be shut up in the prison. That is, when God gathers, let me read it again, and they shall be gathered together as prisoners are gathered in the pit and shall be shut up in the prison, that's hell, and after many days shall they be visited, then the moon shall be confounded and the sun ashamed. Notice, after many days they shall be visited. You see, when somebody gets arrested on earth, it's kind of a microcosmic replica of how it happens with when we die, immediately we go to hell if we're lost or heaven. Paul said that, remember, judgment comes when we die. Hebrews 9.27 says, It is appointed unto men once to die, but after this to judgment. So we don't go into a soul sleep. We go immediately to heaven or hell. Luke 16, the once rich man went immediately to hell, and the righteous man named Lazarus was in comfort. That represents heaven. Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. In Revelation 6, we've got the souls of the righteous under the altar. They're in absolute comfort as they always will be. But the wicked are burning and tortured consciously forever. So perhaps this last part of verse 22, and after many, first of all, they're going to be gathered together and shut up in the prison of hell, I believe is what that's all about imagery wise and reality wise. And after many days, they shall be visited. Well, what's going to happen is that they're going to be dredged up from hell and stand before the great white throne judgment of God. Perhaps the after many days shall they be visited is dealing with that. See, when somebody gets arrested, as we've read the news stories, as we do all the time, they go immediately to jail, right? That's what they're just, if it's a correct arrest, some aren't, many aren't. But if it is, they hurt somebody, they stole, they go to jail. But then they got to go before the judge, right? First, they get thrown in jail. And then so many days or weeks after, they go to be arraigned, I think it's called. And then they have their court case in court, their day in court. Isn't that sound like what we got with God? That when we die, we're going to be, if you're wicked, you're going to go to hell. And then later, you're going to have to be arraigned and brought to stand in the supreme court of the universe before a holy God who you defied and refused to serve. You did life on your own terms and you've reaped eternal damnation. There will be no second chances. It's signed, sealed, delivered. It delivered. It's irrevocable. Read Mark 9, the end of it, beginning in verse 43. And by the way, read the King James Bible because all of the new fake Bibles have butchered that passage. All right, here's the last verse in Isaiah 24, 23 as we close. Then the moon shall be confounded and the sun ashamed when the Lord of hosts shall reign in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem and before his ancients gloriously. Notice the moon, which he gave in Genesis 1, I believe, is going to be confounded. 
He gave the moon to light the night for us, right? Isn't God good? Isn't he so good? How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Hebrews 2, 3 from this wonderful loving God. Then the moon shall be confounded. The moon was given as a night light for us. You ever put one of those night lights in your bathroom or in the hall so that, you know, in the middle of the night when you get up to use the restroom or get something to eat, you don't stub your toe, you don't run into the wall and stuff like that. You think about that in light of how loving God is, that he gave us the moon the night light. Read Genesis 1 again, fresh. And then he gave the sun the light the daytime. But he says here in the end, the last verse in Isaiah 24, then the moon shall be confounded and the sun ashamed. What is the imagery there he's communicating? The Lord is, well, as bright as the sun is, it's not even, it's totally dim compared to how much brightness the light of God is. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Jesus made the sun. You ever study the sun? Man, how can we even get into that? I mean, the magnificence of the sun. And it's going to be ashamed at the light of the Lord who made it. You see, the sun is like that little dim nightlight compared to a bright beaming floodlight that we have in technology today. That's what he's saying. And then the moon. See, the moon and the sun who give light to the earth a pale in comparison to the light of Christ, who is the light, John 8, 12. Then the moon shall be confounded and the sun ashamed when the Lord of hosts shall reign in Mount Zion in Jerusalem and before his ancients gloriously. I want you to read about this new Jerusalem. He's talking about all the way through the book of Isaiah and all the way from first to last verse, I believe, in Revelation 21, the second to last chapter in the Bible. That is going to bless you incredibly when you read about what lies ahead. When, as Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you, a mansion. There are many mansions in my father's house. And those mansions are going to be located in none other than the New Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven. Check it out. Revelation chapter 21. And as we close, let me encourage our hearts here. In 2 Peter chapter 3, he's not willing that any should perish, verse 9. But the day of the Lord, verse 10, will come as a thief in the night. In other words, unexpectedly for so many, because like the foolish virgins are not abiding in Christ who they were previously engaged to. They're caught off guard. They've shunned the light. They have not come to the light and got honest with God and come to the light of Christ and stayed in the light. So the day of the Lord is going to take them, come as a thief in the night to them. But other scripture says we're not in darkness as those who live in sin. Then he says, in the which the heavens shall pass away. That means they're going to be renovated with a great noise. Wow. That sounds explosive to me, like an explosion. And the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Sounds like nuclear war. Again, guys, I'm not trying to be definitive, but I'm just saying it sounds like the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Now, it says he's coming back with flaming fire. So this may be fire God's bringing. Uh, either way, he's allowing it. Verse 11, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. Everything we can see, it sounds like, is going to be dissolved and changed and shaken and removed. Desolate. All Bible words. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons? You ever see a picture of when some precious woman, her house gets hit? She's a keeper at home. That's her nest. To love her husband, to seek God in and her sovereign dwelling place that God provided. To take care of her husband and her children. And it nearly brings a tear to my eye right now, thinking about a woman standing outside of her house that's just been burned down or a tornado hit it. Wow. Is that, is that not the picture we see right here? 
You know, we're going to be like that woman, guys, standing back and seeing everything we trusted in, only if we trusted in it, and even if we didn't. Everything we've only known, because we've only been on Earth since we start. We have a beginning, but we have no ending. We haven't been in eternity yet. So we're going to be standing there in utter bewilderment that everything that we once saw is now dissolved, like the woman who just lost her whole house. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be? And in light of what's coming, what and that's what this message is all about, because God loves us. He loves every one of us, and he is not willing, two verses before this, that any should perish, not one. Jesus died for all men. He is the propitiation, the atoning sacrifice for the sins of the whole world, my friend. In light of this, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy? Notice holy, something we never hear in the modern church, which alone tells us they're false. What manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation or the way of your life is what that means. And godliness, looking for and hasting leaning into it, amen, unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens, being on fire, shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Why? Because he's coming to eradicate all the wicked and the wickedness. And finally, the last verse, Verse 14, 2 Peter 3. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent. Notice, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot, without the spot of sin, any of it, and blameless. God bless you, friends. I'm glad we had these moments together. May God bless us with the heart that truly fears his name, to be knit together in his love and multiplied in his grace having hearts of flesh that are good and honest, coming to the light and continuing to come to the light, being humble and pliable like a little child. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, brothers and sisters, it's been a blessing to spend these moments with you in the Word of God. And remember, there's hundreds of more Christ-centered, scripture-rich, edifying podcasts on safeguardyoursoul.com forward slash audios. There's also a store page with several, many books on there for your edification in Christ. They're all scripture-rich and Christ-centered. Also, tens of thousands of saints and sinners are being reached every month, and you're Your prayers are coveted for the fruitfulness and supply of this outreach. God be praised, by the way, for those who are supporting. And feel free to visit our donate page on the site. And you can use your debit card, PayPal, or Patreon. And you can become a monthly sustaining member if you choose to do so. And a gift of any amount is so appreciated. Part of this outreach is to equip and supply other ministering disciples across our great country and all over the world. And may God be praised that there's fruitfulness happening among his people and through his beloved saints as we know that the return of our Lord Jesus Christ draws nigh. And we say together in the words of Revelation 22, even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen. 
Well, brothers and sisters, it's been a blessing to spend these moments with you in the Word of God. And remember, there's hundreds of more Christ-centered, scripture-rich, edifying podcasts on safeguardyoursoul.com forward slash audios. There's also a store page with several, many books on there for your edification in Christ. They're all scripture-rich and Christ-centered. Also, tens of thousands of saints and sinners are being reached every month, and you're prayers are coveted for the fruitfulness and supply of this outreach. God be praised, by the way, for those who are supporting. And feel free to visit our donate page on the site. And you can use your debit card, PayPal, or Patreon. And you can become a monthly sustaining member if you choose to do so. And a gift of any amount is so appreciated. Part of this outreach is to equip and supply other ministering disciples across our great country and all over the world. And may God be praised that there's fruitfulness happening among his people and through his beloved saints as we know that the return of our Lord Jesus Christ draws nigh. And we say together in the words of Revelation 22, even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen.